The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 244 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is what family caregivers should know about mental health and addiction risk in children and teens. Mental health problems in children and teens may be, but are not always, the early signs of mental illnesses. Addiction problems in children and teens arise from the use or abuse of illegal substances, uh, addictive pain relief medications, uh, and alcohol. Addiction problems in children and teens may or may not be a product of mental illnesses. Young people aged 15 to 24 are more likely than any other age groups to experience mental health problems and addiction problems or just addiction problems. 70% percent of mental health or addiction problems start during childhood and adolescence. 20% of addiction problems start at age 15 or older. All of which is why our topic today, what family caregivers should know about mental health and addiction risk in children and teens, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Caroline Brereton and Shauna Johnston. Caroline is Chief Executive Officer of the Mississauga Halton Community Care Access Centre. She came to the centre from uh, an organisation called the Leading Edge Group, where she was the Senior Healthcare Consultant. Prior to that, she worked with Trillium Health Centre, holding various senior-level positions, which included her final position there as Vice President, People and Corporate and Clinical Support Services. She's a member of several volunteer boards and provincial task forces and committees. She's a registered nurse and holds an MBA from Queen's University. She's a graduate of the Rotman School of Management Advanced Health Leadership Program. And she has a vision for a system that is fully aligned to support the needs of patients. Shauna is a mental health and addiction nurse with the Mississauga Halton Community Care Access Centre. Originally from Cape Breton, Ireland, she, was more, she has more than 10 years' experience working with youth, most recently with Brant County Health. She enjoys working with youth and teens and developing community partnerships. She likes working in the community, believes strongly in prevention and early intervention, and meets her clients where they actually are. She's an advocate for students and families, 
She helps them understand the diagnosis and access the services they need. And one of her students told her, you must be a really chill mom. And another said, I really want to see you every week. So welcome to the show, Caroline and Shauna. Thank you. Thank you. Now, let's start with Caroline, please. Please tell us more about your career and your experience with family caregiving. Well, sure. Um, So you uh, probably commented in my bio that I am a nurse by profession, and in the past I was also a practicing midwife. So I have had the opportunity to care for patients and families through the joy of birth and to the end of life. And I am the only healthcare professional in, in my family and therefore relied upon heavily for input and advice uh, for, pe- for people in my family taking care of their patients and interacting with the healthcare system. I actually uh, came from Ireland originally, so my immediate family all live uh, overseas. And as my parents and aunts are getting older, it's, it's very much more challenging to provide support uh, from a distance. And, uh, but certainly I, I know the challenges that everybody's facing. I see that in my, in my work here as well. Right. I, I um, have always believed that involving family and and uh, informal caregivers in the pro- in care planning and care delivery has been has been really important. It's always been part of my practice. And when my brother was diagnosed with uh, late uh, stage um, leukemia, myeloma, actually multiple myeloma, when he was only 42, I took a very active role in his care, even though I was overseas. Took some uh, time off to go and and be with him and support him and advocate for him and help my family understand how to advocate for him as well. Unfortunately, his disease progressed, and, and I uh, recall getting uh, a call from, the, from his wife to say he'd been placed on life support, and I thought, my goodness, he's, he's end stage. How, how has that happened? And it's one of those unfortunate things where families weren't as connected to the care plan and to what was going on. And so for me, having to work through that process of end of life with, with all, all in the family uh, reinforced the need for, the really important need for objective but caring coordinated care in the system as, as uh, patients and families with complex challenges move through the system. Right. So that's a little bit about, about sort of my experience with uh, being a healthcare professional and being a, a care provider as well. You've been there, done that. Yes. Now, Shona, Shona, I please please tell us more about your career and your experience with family caregiving. So, as you had said, I have been um, a registered nurse for just over ten years, and prior to doing my nursing degree, I did a psych degree, psychology degree in Halifax, and I took both of those together and began working with families and children um, with mental illness. So I have a strong background in direct clinical experience providing mental health addiction services for children and youth, and I have a knowledge of the mental health and addiction system for children and youth in our area, and I think the knowledge and the experience is crucial for the work that I do. Family caregiving is close to my heart and a big part of who I am. I am a mom of two active, busy children with a career that I love, working as a mental health addiction nurse. Both my husband and I are from Nova Scotia originally, as you had said, and so our extended families are there. So we juggle our careers and our children and their activities pretty much all on our own. My daughter is a competitive swimmer, and my son is just starting the world of hockey. So juggling their commitments, our career, and our family time is extremely challenging. Like Caroline, I'm dealing with health care issues far from home. 
recently my grandmother um, has become quite ill and I needed to go there for a couple of weeks in the summer to kind of support her and help her through the system um, as she starts the world of long-term care. And now I'm working hard to stay involved, to care for her from for her across the provinces and attempting to ensure she's safe and well cared for while she waits um, for long-term care. None of these tasks are easy, and like all working moms, I'm constantly juggling and trying to keep all of the balls in the air. Shona, family caregiving involves us all, doesn't it? Yes. Um, Now, Carolyn, please tell us about the work of the Community Care Access Centre, your work as its CEO, especially in relation to addiction risk and mental health problems for children and adolescents. Caroline? Sure. And uh, maybe I'll just say that uh, overall for our listeners who may not be familiar with with the Community Care Access Centre, my organisation is is very much responsible for helping patients... um, move out of hospital if they've been in hospital for any reason uh, as soon as possible and to uh, get care as close to home. That's our goal here in Ontario and it's, it's the goal around the world these days is to get care as close to home as much as possible and, and to spend the least amount of time in institutional care and, and whether that's for uh, children and youth or younger adults or older adults, that's certainly a big part of the work that we do. We do lots of other things around placement into long-term care and providing um, clinical care in the community. But we've had a long tradition of helping children and youth remain in the school system and engage actively in as a normal a life as possible uh, for children and youth who've had um, special needs um, as a result of, of you know, um, injuries at birth or accidents uh, in their younger years. So we've had that role for some time. It's, it's a relatively new role that we have now taken on um, in, in helping children and youth with mental health issues or at risk of addiction. And that's because of a gap in our system that was identified. And so my role right now is to ensure that our schools that we support in our school boards have access to the resources to support children and families who are struggling with mental health issues or at risk of addiction or struggling with addiction um, Um, during their school years. And the gap that was identified, um, I think it's been really important, this gap that's been identified um, as parents. Shauna mentioned uh, as a parent, I'm a parent as well. You know, I have seen over the years um, my own children's uh, friends struggle with uh, depression or anxiety. Um, I also do volunteer work with an organization that provides emergency shelter for youth, and I, and I see how many of those youth have had struggles at school and suffer with mental health issues as well. So I make sure that, that we have the teams in place who have qualified staff, that we have strong leadership for the programs, and that we're working in partnership with our schools and families. This is really has got to be about transferring knowledge to those who are with, with the children and with the youth uh, on a 24-hour basis. So uh, Shauna and the other three members of, of the team who, who uh, have the same role as Shauna does, make sure there's coordinated access to specialized resources. And we offer hope to these families and to those children as well. We're going to come, Carolyn, I'm going to just stop you there because of timing, but um, we're going to come back to all of those questions in a moment, all those matters that are profoundly important. I want Shauna, please, to tell us about more about your work as a mental health and addictions nurse as it relates to addiction risk and mental health problems of the kind that we've just been talking about. Shauna? 
Sure. As a mental health and addiction nurse, um, I meet students where they are, as you had said in the, op- in the opening. But in general, I focus on a few key areas that address mental health and addiction issues that that particular student is facing. So the main parts of our role involve counseling for students uh, with mild to complex mental health and or addiction issues. We assist them with access to experienced mental health and addiction community agencies to continue supporting them both in and out of school setting. And we have a big role in providing teachers and other school staff with knowledge and education on mental health issues and medical issues, in particular about the medications that students might be on, to ensure that they have the best ongoing care. For the students in particular, I um, assist them transitioning to and from an inpatient hospital. So if they've been in hospital for their mental illness and they're returning to school, a big part of our role is meeting with their care team, meeting with their school and helping be the bridge that gets them successfully back to school, um, assistance in seeking appropriate treatment. So if they're having substance abuse issues, our community has wonderful services for them, but we need to help them get there. So we certainly see a big part of our role in bridging them into the community. We work really hard with students to increase their knowledge of their medical issues. So if they have a new medication, we work directly with that student to ensure that they understand what the medication is for, what the side effects might be, and what they can expect to see. Oftentimes, the families know this information really well, but it's important that the student knows it themselves. So we do one-on-one consultations at school or in the home, depending where the student is most comfortable. Some students like to see us at school. Some students want to see us at the corner Tim Hortons. It really depends on where they're most comfortable. And we work with them to identify strategies and develop goals to help them move forward with their mental illness or their addiction issues. Shona, I'm going to stop you there. This is a great story and we're going to be carrying on with it. But this is the time where we have to pay the rent by taking a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Caroline Brereton and Shauna Johnston. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join Gary Ray with his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Caroline Brereton and Shauna Johnston. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about mental health and addiction risk in children and teens. So let's now talk about the challenges created by addiction risk and mental health problems for children and adolescents. Caroline, first with you. What are the addiction-related challenges for schools that your community care access centre services address? And what are the various types of services the centre provides? Caroline? Thank you. Yes, yeah, so um, our, our community, uh, not unlike many areas in, in Ontario, are dealing with the challenges of opioid addiction and uh, alcohol addiction uh, for, for, ch- for youth in particular. Um, in the past year, in 2012, uh, we have been fortunate to have um, very strong support from some of our elected officials uh, in our area to advocate for a strong plan for a deal- dealing with the challenge of opiate addiction in our community. And in May of 2012, the Mississauga-Halton Local Health Integration Network, which is the regional funding authority that that flows funding to organizations like mine, um, identified that $1.5 million of new investment would be available to focus on developing common care pathways and standards of care to increase access to treatment for opioid addiction. And we're really right now in the process of building that more system-oriented, coordinated, and accessible um, uh, sources of care for uh, uh, children with uh, addiction issues. So it's, it's, very, it's very important to have that kind of um, advocacy at a government level and then funding to support that as well. We are very fortunate in our region to work with two really, really strong school boards, our public and our Catholic uh, school boards, and they work very closely together with us in the development of our uh, addiction initiatives. Um, Shauna referred to some of the of the services we provide, but a big part of it is referring to uh, experts in our community and identifying where there are gaps in that expertise. Again, advocating for the development of that expertise. A big area that Shauna focuses on is is uh, medication management and helping and helping the the students and their families understand uh, what it means to be taking the various education. 
supporting the students with complex needs who are maybe dealing with both mental health and an addiction issue and supporting the families to help the students um, uh, stay at school and be as engaged as possible. So those are some of the services. Excellent. Very comprehensive and very important, and we're going to come back to all of that too. Shana, what are the types of challenges that are faced by the students whom you work with? And what are the impacts of these challenges on the students? Shona? Sure, thanks. The easiest way for me to answer that question is I'm actually going to share with you um, two different students that I've worked with and the situations that they're going through. Just so you know, I've changed their names um, and a bit of the details just to protect their privacy. So the first student who we're going to call Chloe, Chloe was identified by the school. Chloe was having some pretty severe addiction issues and using marijuana um, daily, often more than once a day, and coming to school under the influence, keeping marijuana at school, and uh, was suspended from school for that behavior. And one of her requirements to come back to school was to meet with me. So she, I met with Chloe, and I talked to her a lot about marijuana's impact on the brain, on the adolescent developing brain, and helping her to get to the point where she could identify that she did have an addiction issue. Through those interactions and that education, the part about the developing brain and the marijuana's impact had the biggest impact on Chloe, and she really identified with that, and that was the part where she was able to see that her behavior was possibly going to harm her long-term and access more help. So then I was able to help her, like Caroline had said, access the community services that exist in our community who have the expertise in the area of addiction. So since I had been seeing her, both Chloe's mom and the teachers in the school have noticed a change in Chloe's behavior, but the most important thing was Chloe identified the change herself. And so she knew that she needed to make some behavior changes and some life changes, and she worked really hard with the addiction services to be able to do that. The second student that um, I'm going to talk about, who I'm going to call George, George had um, quite a difficult childhood. Both of his parents had died. So he was living um, independently, and he had a a big lack of support. He was suffering um, quite strongly with symptoms of depression and anxiety, along with some physical health symptoms that he didn't really understand and hadn't really checked out. The hard part for George was he was um, turning 18, so he was transitioning from the children's youth system, mental health system, into an adult mental health system. So my role was really to help him connect to community services, and in this case, we helped him connect to Canadian Mental Health Association, which has adult services, as well as being a strong advocate with the family doctor to help with the physical symptoms that he was experiencing across multitude of systems. So he was able to deal with his symptoms of depression, get back into school, be more regular attender in school, along with getting him into the systems that he needed to be in. Shona, those are real success stories. Thank you. Um, and again, we're going to come back to some of the other things that relate to them. But back to Caroline now. What are the mental health-related challenges for schools that your Community Care Access Centre's services address? And what broadly are the types of services the centre provides? Well, maybe I'll just, um, to, to sort of frame uh, my response to that, um, just reinforce some, some further uh, statistics that um, our listeners um, uh, might find helpful. One in five Canadians will experience a mental health illness in their lifetime. And for the remainder of us, we will have family, friends, 
uh, colleagues who who will uh, who will also experience mental mental health challenge. And as you mentioned, seventy percent of of mental health issues have their onset in in childhood or adolescence, and that's significant. It, it pr- provides us then with an incredible opportunity to diagnose early and provide early intervention, knowing that uh, that statistic is the reality. And, and of course, you mentioned the the, the 15-year-olds, 24-year-olds, more likely to have substance abuse issues um, than other age groups. So thinking about um, all of those statistics, at least one in five children or young adults are struggling with either a mental health challenge or at risk of, of addiction. That's a lot of children, half a million children in Canada. And that means that for our school system, they're interacting with these children and uh, their peers, their friends are interacting with children who are not feeling the best, who are not contributing their optimal, who are, who are struggling at school. And so um, that's a huge challenge not only for the teachers in the system and the leaders in the school system who want to see uh, every student successfully complete their, their, their school years because we know how important that is on overall success uh, later in life. But it's, it's, also, it's also impactful for their friends and, and the families of their friends who, who see these children struggle as well. So our mental health and addictions nurses are there to support these teenagers um, frequently who have depression and anxiety, the more common issues that we deal with, uh, as well as with the addiction to uh, alcohol, marijuana, as uh, Shana talked about, and opiates, and to try and help them to stay at school and be successful through school uh, as much as possible. We really are, are keenly uh, and acutely aware of, of uh, trying to keep children out of hospital and institutional care as much as possible and providing that support system that's integrated into the fabric of their everyday life, which is school and their family life as well. So um, I can honestly say that the school approach to uh, providing this kind of support for me is, is one of the keys to success. As Shauna said, she can meet these children on their terms um, where they are most comfortable. That's responding to a wide community need in a very focused way. Caroline, again, we're going to be talking more about that one too. Shauna, over to you. What are the types of challenges that are faced by the family caregivers of the students, whom, of the students whom you work with? And what are the impacts of these challenges on the students? Shauna? Well, that's a really tricky question because all families um, face different challenges and caregivers face different challenges, possibly a whole bunch in one day. But the one that I hear the most often and that really resonates with me as a parent is the challenge of watching their their child and their loved one make really difficult and risky decisions and with little ability to help. So they're watching their teens continue to use or they're watching their teens not take in the advice of their care their care providers. Often students are not at the state at a stage of change, and they're resistant to the help. So they know their parents are offering and support, um, but they just don't want to do it yet. And parents feel frustrated. They feel helpless, and they're often angry with the system. Um, for students, they're working on independence in their development, and they choose to take care of their treatment on their own, and they don't allow their parents any involvement. And families feel shut out, and they're frustrated. Um, at a time when their teen appears to need them the most, the teen chooses to go it on their own, and it's a huge challenge for families. It's a challenge for students because they often don't recognize that the support is there and they need the help, um, but they're making these decisions. And it's a really challenge for our care providers, for myself, as we walk that fine line with students and families trying to decide 
how far do we allow the students to walk on their own and how far do we push them to accept support. Those are really, really hard decisions to make. Just a quick follow-up, Shauna. How, how actually do you approach making that decision where the child says, I basically don't want to do what my parents want me to do, and yet you have concerns about what may be affecting the particular child or adolescence? How do you approach that? I hope that I have a positive relationship with the students that I work with, so I work from that point of engagement and really help them to see, and sometimes it takes visit after visit after visit, for them to recognize their need for help. Um, Oftentimes, from a positive relationship, they can see they trust me, so they'll say, okay, if she thinks I really, really need that help, maybe I do. And if I can set some really clear limits and be really clear about what I'm going to share with families, students usually will say, okay, let's do it that way. And we move baby step by baby step to get the family involved to the ability that they can be. Right. Now, it's the time again where we have to pay the rent, take the break, and so we'll do it now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Carolyn Brereton and Shauna Johnston. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. save on your prescriptions with the rx savings plus drug discount card offered by voice america it is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies but nine out of ten pharmacies participate nationwide everyone is eligible for rx savings plus there's no age or income restrictions and no paperwork simply print a card and start saving on your prescriptions start saving today enroll and print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96 Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Caroline Brereton and Shauna Johnston. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about mental health and addiction risk in children and teens. Now let's talk about the ways in which the services you provide, both of you, help all those involved with the challenges that are created by the students' addiction risk and mental health problems. Caroline, first of all with you, how do the services your community care access centre provide to schools help overcome the challenges created by addiction risk and mental health problems of the students and how do you gauge your success? Caroline? Uh, thank you. So we, we have talked a little bit earlier about um, uh, the importance of, of helping children stay in the school system as long as possible and, and the challenges that it, it does present for schools to to provide the, the attention, the support necessary for children who are dealing with mental health and or addiction issues. So we know that they are right there um, facing these challenges of children with these, with these needs for support on a regular basis. So our, our approach is very much one of partnership. So this was a new uh, program launched uh, earlier this year. It is a new program um, uh, launched earlier this year. And so uh, we went to the schools and said, tell us about what you're seeing. Uh, tell us about how we can help you. How can we partner with you? Uh, our nurses and our, our program leaders bring their knowledge and expertise in mental health and addictions care for children to, uh, to our partners. But we need to know from our school boards what the best way to partner is with them and to support the work that they're doing. We've had quite a bit of experience, as I mentioned, working with the schools in this model of, of supporting children with, with other special needs remain at school and remain connected to their community. So we built off of that model in dealing with our, our new program around uh, support for mental health and, and addiction uh, risk as well. So we've had success with other children, and we have no doubt that we will also have success by choosing this partnership route uh, with our mental health and addictions programming as well. And what I really, really want to see are reduced rates of children and youth suicide. Um, I think it's just tragic to understand that it's the leading cause of death in young Canadians, and, and I think... We have a wonderful opportunity to make a significant impact there. To also see reduced admissions to our hospitals for, for children and youth with mental illness and, and fewer school suspensions and expulsions where we see our children graduating and, and being more successful and um, leading uh, successful and productive and fully engaged lives in their communities. And I think par- a big part of, of the value we bring is navigating, helping first of all with early identification and then helping the families and the students and the teachers navigate the right support for for their children and the youth. And I think that's why it's so important um, that um, the work that Shauna and her colleagues do is really about being that quarterback for them in the system to make sure that they don't fall through the cracks. Right. Shauna, how does your involvement with students help them overcome the challenges you know, the challenges created by addiction risk and mental health problems, and how do you gauge your success? Shauna? Thanks. I think the biggest strength of our program, as Caroline had mentioned, was us being 
right in the schools where the students go every day. Because we're there, we can provide the youth and their families with very fast access to high-quality services, and we work to identify and intervene early in children and youth mental health issues um, right where they are every day. So I really identify that as a big strength and a way that we're helping. Students in schools today are really lucky. They have a variety of community agencies working alongside their school staff. And the staff at the school are working very hard to ensure that students are hooked up to the right community partners. And they really assist us in helping transition the students back to school. We meet with the students and the school to make sure any accommodations that need to be made are made. And we've had really great success um, in that role. Schools are happy to have us there. It's a world that they feel uncomfortable in. And we speak the language of the medical world, but we're in the, in the shoes of the school staff. So it really is helping them. And I gauge my success really from the feedback that I receive from our students and their parents and the teachers. And I know I've helped them. When one of my students said to me, I really want to see you every week, even when I knew that he didn't need to see me that often. And for adolescents to want to see a a nurse every week is a really big success. Wonderful story, that. Caroline, how do the services of the Community Care Access Centre work with mental health care services that are provided for children and adolescents and how do you gauge your success in bringing all those things together? Caroline? Well, one of the most important things uh, for, uh, for us as leaders um, supporting Shauna and her team is to get the message out there about this new initiative to other healthcare groups. Um, as a physician yourself, you understand how complex the system is to navigate. There are many agencies, as Shauna said, offering excellent support, but connecting the dots for, for, for students and their families can be a challenge. So we work really hard to make sure that the program is, is known to those who provide um, mental health and addiction support for children and youth. So we work with family physicians, our family health teams, specialty hospitals that support uh, children, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, our community health clinics, and the, the community-based uh, children's psychiatrists and counselors. And um, we try and make it as easy as possible for, for anybody to learn about our services. So um, w- with respect to community care access center services, a physician referral is never necessary. So anybody can pick up the phone and call Shauna, call, call us. Um, so it can be somebody from the school. Uh, it could be a family member. It, it can be a, a physician, of course. Um, they can either check out our website and get information about how to access us there at www.missagahalton.ccac-ont.ca. And we can, if you look us up, uh, you, you will find uh, our information or contact number. Um, we remove as many barriers as possible to access by not requiring a referral. And we also have a, a line you can call us at, a one eight seven seven number. That's one eight seven seven three three six nine zero nine zero, and we also produce uh, videos um, on our healthcareathome.ca website, which profile the work of our, our wonderful mental health and addiction nurses like Shauna, and to give people a sense of just how supportive uh, the program can be for our for our students and for our youth. And so there's lots of um, lots of resources available. And again, our work is about partnership and access. So I uh, gauge the success by understanding how many people are accessing our support. When you think about the numbers who are touched by mental health and addiction, we know we need to see many, many more uh, children and youth to know that we're doing our job. 
Shona, back to you. How does your involvement with families and family caregivers help them and their children and adolescents? And how do you gauge your success in that, with that involvement? Thanks. Well, I see a big part of my role and our role as a team as an educator for the youth that we see, um, but in particular for their parents and their caregivers. And so oftentimes we spend time with their families and educate them on things that they might see that they could be concerned about. Um, and I'd like to share some of, with you some of the warning signs that family caregivers um, should watch out for in their children. So one would be a, a marked change in behavior. So we know the adolescent years, there are behavior changes, but if there's a really, really big change in behavior, you know, all of a sudden they're spending all their time in their room and they're never socializing with their friends or getting out of the house, that's concerning. A large drop in their grades or all of a sudden the school is calling all the time about not coming to class. Um, changes in social circles. So that's about monitoring for families. And oftentimes it's harder now as adolescents to know your child's friends, but it's still really important to know who they're kind of hanging out with and if you see a big change. Any expression of suicidal thoughts in any way should be followed up with a family doctor um, or another part of the care team. If parents are worried about abuse of alcohol or drugs or gambling, those are things that they should be talking about. A sudden noticing, a sudden drop in weight for for both females and males. Oftentimes we worry about um, disordered eating only in females, but we certainly see it in adolescent males as well. And any sign of self-harm, so seeing cutting or scarring, those are all things that families should be watching out for and getting them and talking both with their teen but also with their family care provider. And I gauge my success by the change in behaviors that I see in the students. So I work with all the students um, that I work with. We set goals. And whatever those goals might be, whether it be attending school more often, if we start to see that behavior change and they're coming to school more often, I see that as success. Just a very quick summary back to you, Caroline, just for to confirm my understanding. Often we hear about the need for the family caregiver, for example, to be the navigator through a very complex system. Seems to me that what you're doing is actually removing the barriers, opening up the system in such a way that navigation, uh, if it's necessary, you'll help it along, you'll provide it, and in that way the system is opening up. Have I got that right, Caroline? That's correct, and I think what that does is it allows it allows the parent or the teacher or the friend to be on that care journey with the student if that's what they want, and and not frustrated by uh, trying to find the access supports, but to be uh, fully engaged in the in the care plan um, with the student. Right, Shona, a very quick one with you. Um, families, family caregivers, in the way I've understood you describing how you interact with them are in effect an early warning system of things that might be going wrong and that you're listening out and hearing their information, understanding their information and reacting accordingly. Shona, is that right? Absolutely. At the end of the day, caregivers know their teens best. In schools, teachers have spend lots of time with them, but at the end of the day, it's really caregivers who know them best. They notice the change in behaviors. So when they see things, we really have to trust the caregivers because they really do know them. Right. 
Very powerful, both of you. Thank you. Now, again, it's time to take the break. We'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Etherly, and my guests are Caroline Brereton and Shauna Johnston. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Caroline Brereton and Shona Johnston. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about mental health and addiction risk in children and teens. Now let's talk about the things that you would like to do and see done to improve ways for overcoming the challenges that we've been discussing. Starting with you, Caroline, please. What more would you like to do through your Community Care Access Centre to increase the help for overcoming the challenges created by the things we've been talking about, especially the problems for children and adolescents? Caroline? Thank you, Gordon. So here's, here's a startling statistic from my perspective. In 2011, $42.3 billion was spent in Canada on treatment, care, and support for individuals with mental health issues. That's a staggering amount of money. And 
When we know what we do about the early onset and the early warning signs, as Shauna has spoken about in terms of mental health or addiction risk uh, issues, I think it's really, really important for us to continue to increase awareness of mental health and addictions in our society and especially for our youth and, and to continue to invest in these programs that help remove the barriers and the stigma associated with mental health and addictions because there is hope and there is uh, um, recovery is possible. So I want to continue uh, to grow our program and to make sure that we are uh, liaising with the other mental health and addiction agencies and the family care uh, teams, as I mentioned, to coordinate the appropriate access to care. Um, what I would further like to see is are more professionals trained to identify children and youth mental health and addiction needs earlier on and experts available in the field of youth mental health and addiction. So being able to front load some of our investment in this care programming to prevent what we know are the downstream impacts and that uh, consume so many resources and impact so many lives over time. Uh, I would hope that in the coming years, um, while we will and should see an increase in the number of referrals to our program, the, the severity of the mental health issues and addiction issues that we identify should hopefully decrease because we'll be identifying those children e- earlier through the schools. And, and that's that we will true. continue to invest in those um, uh, access to those services that are so important. And that's true prevention. Now, Shona, what more would you like to see done by mental health care systems to increase the help for overcoming the challenges we've been talking about? Shona? Uh, we've been really lucky in Ontario as our provincial government has really demonstrated that they see the long-term impact that addiction and mental illness is having on our youth. And they've started to work in developing programs like ours to meet this need. I really um, would echo Caroline in saying extending the current programs to meet the growing need must be the next step. Um, The model that we're working in now is great, and it would be nice to see it expanded, looking at a more interdisciplinary team, looking at other professionals who work in mental illness and bringing them into the schools, ensuring that those complex needs of youth are met in schools where they are. Um, I base my practice looking at principles of youth engagement, so I'd really like to hear what youth of today feel would help them to succeed and thrive. They really do know what's going on in their world, and the students that I work with, when we ask them what will help, they can be quite eloquent when they describe what they need to succeed and what would help them to recover. So I always think asking youth can lead to ideas and initiatives that we certainly haven't thought of. Um, I have a student that I've worked with, and I've been quite inspired by her. She um, lives with borderline personality disorder, and she has dedicated a large portion of her personal time to fighting stigma that exists for people living with mental illness. And she has really inspired me and others in our community to really look at our own beliefs and stand up against stigma um, that exists for for youth. So I think this is an area that we need to work on before those living with mental illness can truly move forward. Now, Caroline, back to you. What's your message for the schools and the students that your Community Care Access Centre helps? Caroline? Thank you, Gord. And uh, I guess I, I would say all of us remember our school years positively or negatively, but the school years make such an important impression on our lives. And our goal, in partnership with you who are leading in the schools and the students who are attending school, is to help the students survive, thrive, and cope during what can be difficult years um, of a student's life. And um, 
recognize that together we can make such a positive impact uh, on students' journeys um, and to make sure everybody can have a hopeful future. Um, because we know that early identification and intervention lead to better health outcomes, um, picking up the phone at, at the first uh, concern, picking up the phone and, and making that connection with us so that we can get involved early, that we can help our, our mental health and addiction nurses such as Shauna uh, be visible in the schools, um, uh, I encourage you to, to never hesitate to, to do that, to pick up the phone. And um, and that there's hope. I think I want to I want to reemphasize uh, through the stories that Shauna has shared, and there are many many other stories. There is hope, and and there are many many success stories um, by making sure that we can have the right care at the right time and in the right place uh, for these students and youth, and um, and that the partnership is what it's really all about. So that would be my message: is um, is to continue on this good work together and to share those positive stories. It, it really um, it really helps all of us to understand the difference that can be made. Shauna, what's your message for families and family caregivers you help? Uh, I think for me, the big message that I bring to parents is thinking about the tips that I talked about before um, and really looking at their child and looking at their behavior and knowing that emotions magnify in adolescence, but parents really can support their children through feelings of fear, anxiety, um, feelings of uncertainty, and make sure your child knows that they're not alone. Uh, I hope that I leave families that I work with with a positive message of hope and recovery. The road to recovery is often long. It can be difficult, but that mental well-being is worth working for. I work hard to impart the importance of support for all involved, for the student, for the family, and for the circle of friends. We are here to support all of those. Support and services exist, and they can be really difficult to find at times, but they do exist. And we, as a big part of our role is to help families find the help that they need. I gauge my success in this by the change in behaviors that I see in the students that I see and the feedback from the families. I really love my job, and I know I'm truly making a difference and that I am saving lives. And if I may say so, Shona, that comes through, and it comes through also through Caroline, um, because what you both are giving us is a message of hope, because as you both know, The message about mental illness and mental ill health and addictions and all those related matters uh, has been so grim. No treatment, no treatment works in days gone by. Lock them away. What you're doing is seeing the school as a place for healthy interactions whereby problems are detected Uh, responded to early, that's your early intervention, and where families are welcomed when they pick up the phone and act as the early warning system or when they want help and guidance on what to do next. So it seems to me that what you're both quietly involved in, and in fact all of you in in the Community Care Access Centre or centres, is a kind of revolution in mental health care at the level of the school and at the level of the most vulnerable community, that is, children and adolescents. So in that way, I want to say, if this episode has helped you get your message out, then I am very will be very proud to think that that is the case. In any case, I want to say thank you very much both of you, Caroline and Shauna, for sharing with us your own personal experiences, your insights and your advice and 
the description of the work you're doing, which has made very clear what you're trying to achieve, how you're trying to achieve it, and the benefits that are accruing already from what you're doing. I want to say thank you to our listeners. Uh, we'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Baby Hearts. This is um, an examination of the problems of babies born with heart defects and the challenges for their mothers, for their parents. Uh, and so in that way, it parallels the mental health problems we've been talking about in that there is hope and that's what that program will be about that episode will be about just as this one has been about hope in what in other times has seen not as a hopeless thing but certainly as a hope challenging thing so to our listeners please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 